We all feel the weight um, of the state of Georgia on our shoulders. Um, but when you you look back in February, you know January, March, April, May, um, when you know people are focusing on basketball or baseball, and we're running in the stadium at 6 a.m. Um, and it sucks, and you're and you're kind of like, why do we do this? You know, and the reason is for when I fumble on the 10-yard line and we give up a touchdown, then we go back and we score two straight drives. That's the reason. You know, these two guys that are sitting up here, they're not defined by one game. These guys played great for us all year. They're great competitors. They were great leaders on this team, uh, and they that they contributed tremendously to the success of this team and we would not be here without them. Right? And both of them take responsibility for the loss, um, but both of them contributed in a lot of ways, in a positive way, to giving us a chance to win and a chance to be here to have an opportunity to win. So I just want to thank them for that and let everybody know how proud I am of these two guys. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Mike Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And running a little late, <laughs> running way late actually, but hey, it's because we got a great show lined up for you. Got a, a terrific guest, Mike Griffith from the AJC's Dog Nation. Going to join the show here in just a bit. Going to talk some Georgia Bulldogs football and man, almost uh, didn't get this show out, but uh, you know, so much news coming out. Got this terrific interview lined up. Couldn't go another day without a show. So, hey, let's just get right into the action. And what I wanted to start with, man, we've got a lot of coaching news here in the SEC heading into the weekend. And it starts for me with Kendall Browse making it official. He is returning to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Woo pig! Huge news for Sam Pittman and company, given the overtures by uh, the Miami Hurricanes and it was first reported by Chris Lowe of ESPN that Bryles will be staying at Arkansas. That's just huge news for K.J. Jefferson and that offense. Kendall Bryles, one of the best offensive coordinators in all of college football. And, of course, right after this was uh, announced, if you missed it, man, there were some shenanigans there on Twitter. It was uh, one of the Dan, Dan Lebetard people, I think it was. I guess he's plugged in. I guess uh, Dan Levitard people are running the Miami search because they seem to know everything that's going on down there uh, with the Hurricanes. But, man, this what this one guy, I think his name's Mickey Ruiz, something like that, he is just dead set on the fact that Kendall Browse not an option. Nobody wanted him down there. This is all a ploy. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll cut to some of these tweets of uh, this guy basically calling Kendall Browse out, calling Arkansas fans out. He's just madder in hell. That Kendall Browse staying at Arkansas, you, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. And the best was Kendall Browse started responding to the guy. So, I mean, it was terrific. Great theater there on a Thursday. But, you know, moving aside from all the drama, none of that matters. What matters is Kendall Browse staying in Fayetteville for another season of football. And... Hey, I said this on Twitter. I'm not backing down from it. I'm already getting mocked left and right from uh, non-Arkansas people. But I think this makes it official, man. I think if you're you're Arkansas, you start a off-season campaign, K.J. Jefferson for Heisman. And I'm not sitting here saying, you know, he's a lock, that he's going to win it. But 
I think he's that caliber of a player. And uh, you know, I'm already starting here. He can't throw the ball. Traylon Burks gone. Traylon Burks is generational talent, no doubt. They will simply not replace him with one player. I don't think that's possible. But I was hearing K.J. Jefferson was garbage this time last year. You know who was saying he wasn't, and it proved that, uh, hey, I knew what I was talking about then. Let's hope for Arkansas fans I know what I'm talking about now because going into his second year as a starting quarterback, the offensive line looks like it'll be uh, a strength of the team. They're the running back Group is deep as hell. Arkansas just led the SEC in rushing. Good opportunity to do it again. And the schedule, everyone wants to point to this schedule being so daunting. You know, I don't look at it as as a mountain to climb. I look at it as an opportunity for the Razorbacks to be on national television for damn near half their football games. And if they thrive in those games, K.J. Jefferson, that offense, if they thrive, I mean, we've got to vault him up these rankings. So, you know, it's that, again, I'm not sitting here saying that uh, he's going to win the Heisman or anything like that, but I put him front and center as the face of your program because that's what he is. And if, uh, you know, Arkansas continues their extension up the SEC ladder, we got to give these players credit for the work they're putting in. And there's not many as dynamic as K.J. Jefferson in the SEC. Let's have some fun this offseason. One of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, one of the best quarterbacks in the country returning in Kendall Brown's system year three going to have weapons all around him uh, I'm not backing down from this one KJ Jefferson one of the my favorites for the Heisman Trophy next season uh, that's basically I think uh, what you're getting when you get Kendall Brown's return for another season I think it's that important to uh, the program there in Fayetteville now, on the other end of the spectrum, War Damn Eagle. Rough news from the Plains because uh, not yet official. I was kind of waiting this out Thursday night. Nothing official, but uh, being reported by uh, 24-7 Sports, Philip Marshall specifically, that uh, Derek Mason, the defensive coordinator, leaving for Oklahoma State. So Auburn's going to have two new coordinators this season, and they hired one guy, Austin Davis. You know, I'm not trying to trash him, but to my knowledge, he's not called any plays quarterback coach in the NFL. And Brian Harson has also noted that, hey, we're bringing this guy in in part to recruit quarterbacks more so than uh, his elite play calling ability. Now, maybe Austin Davis will be terrific. Again, this is more about Derek Mason leaving, who I know some Auburn fans not too thrilled with Derek Mason. You know, kind of some failures to adjust late in the season. I think that's a fair argument to be made but it's tough to see at this point in the football calendar Auburn being able to upgrade from Derek Mason now that he is leaving for Oklahoma State and the plan according to uh, Philip Marshall once again is to promote Jeff Schmelding to defensive coordinator and gonna hire Florida's former Florida linebacker coach Christian Robinson who he is an outstanding recruiter a lot of um Robinson was a very, very popular coach down there at Florida. Michigan tried to hire him away last offseason, and Florida managed to keep Robinson. So, hey, you're adding an SEC veteran, an up-and-comer, but you're losing again. Derek Mason, and you remember when Brian Harson got hired, you know, how we judge these guys initially is their staffs, hiring Mike Bobo, hiring Derek Mason. It looked to be a coup at the time. Mike Bobo, one year removed, fired now Derek Mason leaving 
for Oklahoma State. And I don't know how – I know Oklahoma State had a good year, but I don't know how you see losing a coordinator to a, a lateral at best. I think it's a step down for Derek Mason going from the Plains to Oklahoma State. It's just not a great look for Auburn. Now, maybe, you know, we're making sure, Brian Harson, we're getting everybody on the same page because your back's kind of against the wall, as crazy as that sounds, heading into your second year. But it just does not look uh, great down there right now. And, it, and it, you know, I'm not ready to call the guy out and say he's not going to survive. But when you got nine defensive players in the last month transferring out, certainly seems like Derek Mason – Maybe uh, it was known down there he was not going to be returning. We've had guys like J.J. Pegues, not mentioned that yet. He's transferred to Ole Miss. Lee Hunter, he transferred out. He's going to Central Florida, old Gus, going to reunite with Gus. And <laughs> Dreshawn Miller, Marion Harvey, Dre Butler, Nick Curtis, Eric Reed, Daniel Foster Allen, Romelio Height. All these defensive players in the last month have transferred out of Auburn. So it kind of leads me to believe that uh, maybe they saw this coming. And maybe that's given Brian Harson time to kind of figure out the plan moving forward. But I don't know. It's a perception hit and just a lot, a lot of turnover this offseason at Auburn when you're looking at uh, programs like South Carolina, like Tennessee, even Vanderbilt with second-year coaches with the staff largely remaining the same. You want that continuity. You want to build on what you did year one. And at Auburn, it feels like we're building from scratch, basically. New quarterback, new coordinators. And, man, I hate to even do this. I'm not a big hot seat guy, but Brian Harson, he may be sitting on the hottest seat in the SEC, which is unbelievable because here I was a dumbass saying, this guy, we got to give him consideration for coach of the year when uh, Auburn – was sitting at uh, I believe five and two with uh, you know a month, little over a month left in the season, and Auburn controlling their destiny in the SEC West. Here we are, fast forward a couple months, and the guy is uh, his seats heating up there on the plane. So this gonna be a situation to monitor all off season. But uh, you know I think Brian Harson can turn it around. It's not like he's new to college football or anything like that, but. I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to look at this situation and look for a, a glimmer of hope. And all I'm seeing is we got Tank Bigsby, maybe the best running back in the SEC. Maybe he can carry you to a, a surprising season next year. But it's going to be tough. So, you know, I'll have my eye on what's going on down there. But needless to say, red, seeing some red flags down there on the plains this offseason. Now, staying in the SEC West, let's kick down to Oxford. Auditorio, miss. Had some uh, interesting news here late Thursday, because uh, it is being reported. If you miss it, I'll throw it up here on the uh, the YouTube page, but Kiffin tweeting out photos from Athens. Now, we all know Lane Kiffin, he's a troll. Who knows if, uh, you know, maybe he's trying to throw people off the scent. Who knows when he throws something like this up, what he's really up to. But why is he in Athens, Georgia? According to uh, John Spokeloff of WCBI in Mississippi, Kiffin's down there in Georgia to recruit JT Daniels and Jermaine Burton, who just jumped into the transfer portal to Oxford. And, you know, who knows? They could be, it sounds like the, it sounds like JT Daniels and Jermaine Burton, a little bit of a package deal. The two California natives, they really seem to hit it off when JT Daniels got in the lineup there for Georgia, going all the way back to uh, the 2020 season. One of his favorite targets there was Jermaine Burton, 
and Burton kind of fell down the pecking order, certainly seemed like with Stetson Bennett as uh, Georgia's starting quarterback. So it makes sense. It makes sense that JT Daniels and Jermaine Burton kind of tied at the hip, so to speak. Now, there's no guarantees they're going to transfer together, but hey, Ole Miss needs receiver help, certainly need quarterback help, and who better to go play for than old Lane Kiffin. So this will be fascinating. There's the USC ties, there's the California ties. He just turned Matt Corral into uh, one of the top prospects in the country, heading into uh, the NFL, the upcoming NFL draft. Can he do the same for JT Daniels? I have no doubt that Lane Kiffin could do something like that. Now, as I understand it, I think JT Daniels still has got uh, about a semester or so of classwork if he wants to leave as a graduate so he can be eligible immediately in Oxford because he's already transferred once. I don't think he can just transfer at a whim. He's got to get his graduate degree before transferring. So not even sure. You know, I may be putting the cart before the horse here, but if JT Daniels does play for Ole Miss next season, I don't know that he can come in for spring football. So that'll, that's going to be something to monitor as well. But, hey, I'd love to see JT Daniels and Jermaine Burton stay in the SEC. We talked about Alabama. We talked about LSU being two to watch. If he wants to stick with JT Daniels, Ole Miss, hey, throw in a wild card there. That's basically what Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss have been since their time there. They're a wild card, and uh, that's not looking to end anytime soon. Next, let's uh, kick it all down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! There's interesting news here for the Crimson Tide. Former Miami defensive backs coach Traveris Robinson. Of course, a lot of SEC fans know that name. He's been at South Carolina. He's been at Auburn. He's been at Florida. He's been all over the place. Uh, he is taking a job on Alabama staff there, according to Bruce Feldman. And South Carolina fans probably rolling their eyes at that. Hey, you don't want T-Rob as your defensive coordinator. We know that. But he is an outstanding defensive backs coach, uh, despite what we saw there at the end of his career at South Carolina. So I think this is a great pickup for Alabama. Get you some uh, ties to South Florida, which is where T-Rob was at. Ties all over the SEC, as I just mentioned. I don't see anything wrong with this hire. I think really, really good recruiter. Not that Nick Saban and company need any help recruiting defensive backs. They got that on lockdown. But... Hey, maybe this is uh, – we see a lot of these fired coaches, and not that uh, T-Rob got fired here or anything, but we see a lot of these coaches go work for Nick Saban and it revitalized their career. Maybe this will revitalize uh, T-Rob as a defensive coordinator and potentially as a head coach one day working for the greatest college football coach of all time. That's probably in line with his thinking as well. So situation to monitor there for sure. I like this hire. And then here's an even potentially even bigger one because it looks like Ole Miss losing another assistant coach. They've lost their offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator, now their special teams coordinator, leaving Oxford for Alabama. Coleman Hutzler, who before he got hired there at Ole Miss, was named special teams coordinator of the year by football scoop so a very well-regarded assistant coach among coaching circles here he's going to be the special teams coordinator outside linebackers coach for alabama they have uh, been <laughs> searching for about a year for the replacement for jeff banks and the pole assassin well they got it here in coleman hutzler so hey two moves here alabama you know they move silently they move quickly but uh, they have just upgraded their staff here in a matter of uh, a few hours here. And now we're going into spring football with, uh, you know, I think an upgraded 
Alabama coaching staff. So nice moves there from uh, Nick Saban. Now jumping on down to Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Eli Drinkowitz, I think he just hired him a quality assistant coach here. Missouri is expected to hire Blake Baker as the new safeties coach, according to uh, Pete Thamel of ESPN. Uh, Blake Baker was uh, formerly the linebackers coach at LSU, very popular coach down there. He coached at Miami for quite a while. I think he was the uh, defensive coordinator at Miami. He and Drinkowitz were on the same staff at Arkansas State in 2013. Uh, He's coached at Louisiana Tech as well. He's a Houston native, which being a, a native of that area is huge for Missouri in recruiting because you always want to break into the state of Texas as much as possible. So, hey, you're getting a guy that uh, former defensive coordinator experience, a guy with SEC experience. This looks to be another big piece of the puzzle here for uh, Missouri and Steve Wilkes in their defensive backfield. I love this hire by Missouri. Again, these are quiet moves here, these assistant coaching moves. These types of moves go under uh, many people's radar, but uh, just wanted to give a shout-out to Missouri, where I think they upgraded their staff by landing uh, one of the more popular coaches from LSU's coaching staff last season. Uh, You remember, I mean, because LSU had some of the best linebacking play in the SEC this season. Now you're getting the coach that uh, developed those guys in Baton Rouge last season. And the last thing here before we get to our interview with Mike Griffith. Got a little bit of good news, bad news for Tennessee because uh, Isaiah Naor, the Wyoming transfer, is one of the first times I've seen this, but commits to Tennessee, keeps getting recruited. He's going to Ole Miss, going to Texas. And then he announced here on Thursday, well, hell, I'm going to Texas now. So we got a flipped transfer commitment and that's a tough one for Tennessee. I mean, um, everyone I talked to, this is the guy that had Tony Basilio on the show saying he'd probably score a dozen touchdowns based on what he's heard. You know, it's not doom and gloom. I don't think Tennessee fans uh, should care too much. I mean, I don't think you even knew who this guy was two weeks ago. I know I sure didn't. But uh, now that he's – it's not like he, he came to Tennessee and said, well, hell, I ain't going here. He just flipped his commitment. He's from Texas, so it makes a little bit of sense. I certainly think I'd rather play for Josh Heupel than Steve Sarkeesian, though, based on what we saw last season. But, hey, that's uh, his prerogative. But that's the bad news. The good news is the NCAA, they have made some major changes here this week. They're having some kind of convention in Indianapolis, which is, of course, the headquarters of the NCAA. And they have voted to pass a new constitution. And why this is important for Tennessee? Well, basically what they've decided to do is have the NCAA no longer govern and set penalties. They're going to do they're going to allow conferences and schools themselves to kind of govern themselves and the impetus for this is, you know, some of these major college football programs like the SEC, the Big 10, the Big 12 in years past, they're under the same rules as Division 2, II, Division 3. I mean, that's basically nonsensical at this point, given how massive that uh, college football has become, given the budgets and the vast difference between budgets and, and, and coaching staffs and roster management. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, this is a step towards the NCAA kind of breaking apart here, but I think they're just conceding to the likes of the 
the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, who don't want to be ruled and governed by the NCAA anymore. So if the schools and the conferences now are the ones monitoring each other, I got to believe NCAA was already pretty toothless. How I don't know how they can come down on Tennessee when they aren't even deciding punishment. So that remains to be seen how that's going to work out. But, you know, for any Tennessee fans out there wondering where's an update on the NCAA investigation, it looks like uh, the NCAA may soon not even have the power to do anything. And we know Tennessee has already set some concessions with scholarship limits. No, no limits on the bowl games. Obviously, they just played in a bowl game. But uh, for any Tennessee fans maybe worried that the NCAA is going to come down and, and impose a, a bowl ban, which I have not heard. I'm just saying in case you're worried about that, it doesn't look like that's going to be happening. I doubt that uh, there's going to be any kind of major sanctions here or anything. And this is a play also, I've been told, to punish people that actually did things like a Jeremy Pruitt, whereas in years past, coach players could break the rules and then the NCAA would come along years later and punish the current roster, the current coaching staff. That's all going away. Again, this is uh, all part of the new NCAA constitution. And, hey, if I'm a Tennessee fan, that's the best news you can get heading into the weekend. All right, so hey, that's all I got around the SEC. Let's kick it to our interview with Mike Griffith, very gracious, giving us his time. No one covers the Georgia Bulldogs as well as Mike Griffith of Dog Nation. So very, very eager to talk some Georgia football with him. All right, hey, we're pleased to once again be joined by Mike Griffith. Nobody does a better job covering the Georgia Bulldogs than Mike Griffith when he works for the AJC's DogNation.com. He was the Football Writers Association Beat Writer of the Year for 2018. Mike, thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, you bet, Michael. Now, I got to start with this because this is certainly the biggest topic right now in Athens. Stetson Bennett making the decision to return. Uh, thoughts on that? And, you know, I, I'm not trying to put the cart in front of the horse, but the way I see it, you know, this is going to have to be an offensive-led team next season potentially with all the losses on the defensive side of the ball. So is it too unrealistic to say that uh, Stetson should be an off-season off Heisman candidate? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure who the starter is going to be. You know, Kirby's a year-to-year, game-to-game type of guy. Um, you know, there's right now as we sit here in, you know, January, uh, you know, George has been active looking for quarterbacks in the portal. Uh, you know, they, they, they don't, the recruiting never stops. You know, a year ago at this time, uh, we thought JT Daniels was the guy, and he actually emerged from SEC Media Days last summer as the Heisman Trophy favorite, according to odds makers. So things can change fast, and certainly in the Georgia quarterbacks room, um, things can change fast. There are some very heralded players, you know, uh, that have been behind. Uh, well, one of them was actually ahead of, St- uh, ahead of Stetson on the depth chart last year, Carson Beck, a former um Mr. Football from Florida won a state championship down there, and and I think Carson Beck will compete this spring. And Brock Vandergriff was a very highly touted five star from, you know, right here near Athens, uh, ten miles away from the school essentially, and uh, flipped from Oklahoma to Georgia. Pretty stocky six three two fifteen guy with a pretty strong arm and a pretty good ability to run the ball. And then they signed a, the guy that shattered a lot of the high school records formerly held by Deshaun Watson. Uh, and Gunnar Stockton, who's coming in as an incoming freshman. So 
I don't think uh, I don't think I'd put any card ahead of any horse. I don't even know if I'd put a horse ahead of the card because <laughs> I just you know with Kirby Smart and quarterbacks, you, you really just you really just never know. Hmm. Well, speaking of the quarterbacks, you Mike were the one that broke this news when it was official. JT Daniels in the transfer portal, and that was soon followed by receiver Jermaine Burton. What were your thoughts on on that duo uh, entering the portal there in a short period of time together? Well, I don't know if they were, you know, necessarily connected at the time. You know, I think JT just recognized that, you know, as talented as, as he is and as much as he accomplished in a short amount of time, I, I just think Kirby Smart's got a different vision for a quarterback. He, you know, he wants some more mobility, um, you know, and I think that once JT got hurt, I think, and they switched, I don't think Kirby wanted to readjust the offense and, and and maybe JT would have wanted. I know, you know, I think Kirby um, made it pretty clear that he wanted him back, but it's just too much of a crapshoot. And yes, there's competition, but, you know, it's possible to be, I don't know how to say it, but, you know, the competition does, the results of the competition doesn't always lead to who they choose to start. Um, it could have something to do with the personnel. It could have something to do with, um, you know, just a, a lot of those, I mean, even Todd Munkin, when Todd Munkin was talking about it last year, he said, who knows what's behind the next decision. And, and so, and he's the offensive coordinator. So I just, I just think it's too predictable of a situation, unpredictable of a situation for JT. And I think, um, you know, he probably wants to go somewhere where it's a little bit clearer, cleaner picture. Um, and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll take his talents elsewhere. Jermaine Burton was a guy who just didn't get a lot of targets. I mean, uh, you know, once Georgia shifted out of the five wide, four wide, you know, pro style air right stuff that JT was doing and kind of went to the three tight end play action, um, more of a balanced, balanced attack in terms of run pass ratio with Stetson, a lot of those receivers lost targets. I mean, Brock Bowers had something like 56 catches, which was about the same. If you look at Brock Bowers numbers, it was about the same as the number two and number three wide receivers combined. So receivers really didn't get out of throws in this style of offense. There wasn't. There was an occasional shot played, but for the most part, it was a controlled passing game to the tight end and the running backs, high percentage throws, and a lot of run after the catch, uh, which is which is smart, right? It's what you see in the NFL. And, and Todd Munkin can do it a lot of different ways, and and the talent dictated um, that. And Burton was the guy that was injured so uh, early on, so he kind of fell behind. You know, like JT. If there's a thread here, Michael. In the Georgia players that you're seeing in the portal, many of them, if not most of them, have been injured at some point. And, um, you know, if you're injured, you know, what do they say? The best ability is the availability. Right. So I don't think that's a coincidence. Now, what does, in your mind, does winning the national championship, what does that do for Kirby Smart's legacy, the, the Georgia native, the former Bulldog himself? I mean, is this, this guy's is he ever going to have to buy another drink in Athens if, if he had to already? Yeah, you know, I don't think he has time to stop and drink, to your point. Uh, I, I, I just, I, every now and then he takes time to smile. I mean, Kirby's pretty restless. Kirby uh, is not a complacent guy. His time management skills are what he's infamous for and works really hard. Um, you know, these days, in today's society, you'd like to think a national championship would seal a legacy, but, you know, um, you, know you just take a look around at, you know, LSU had a couple guys win national championships in the last 10 years. They're both out of football, right? Mm -hmm. Things can change fast. And, um, you know, there's just, there's just no guarantees, you know, things change so quickly. The landscape is shifting 
there's a new model now with the NIL, not to derail your question, but, you know, it's almost like there was a formula that was needed under the previous rules to be successful. And now you have one-time transfer and NIL. And now the school that's able to adjust the quickest and the best of that will be successful. So I think it remains to be seen. Georgia's in a great position. They're on the pole position, being the national champion, to take advantage of these rules. And I think that's what it really means, is that it puts Georgia out front. Everybody wants to be a part of a good thing. It's a shot in the arm for uh, recruiting. It's a shot in the arm for fundraising. It's a shot in the arm for you know licensing and marketing. It's a shot in the arm um, you know, for maybe tying yourself to corporations, right? Because I see, to me, that's where I think NIL is going, is corporate sponsorship um, with a lot of these NIL deals, major corporate sponsorship. You know, is it realistic to think George could land Delta or Coca-Cola? I don't know. I mean, then, then what happens? The Alabama people don't want to drink it, you know? But then you got Tennessee, right, with Pilot Gas and Oil. I mean, do Georgia people not pull over because they know every time they're fueling up that Pilot, uh, pilot Gas stations are – uh, owned by the Tennessee booster Jim Haslam, you know. So I, I, I it's the world ahead. You know, I, my head starts hurting when I try to think about uh, just how many different things are ahead for college football and and how the model is going to have to be reshaped with these NILs and this one-time transfer rule. Now, for so long, Georgia and by association, of course, Kirby Smart couldn't get over Alabama, couldn't beat Nick Saban. Now that they've done it, and of course, they've done it on the biggest stage. Do you consider Georgia an equal to Alabama, or or did you already see it that way? Well, I mean, a lot of people couldn't get by Alabama, right? I mean, <laughs> the fact that Georgia got there every year was was pretty good. Uh, well, not every year, but you know, four out of five years for Kirby, his first four out of five years. And um, you know, listen, Alabama's probably the national championship favorite going into next year. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything changes. I, I, you know, I I guess there was a stigma there when Nick won his first twenty four in a row against former assistants, and then Jimbo beat him, and you know now Kirby's beat him. But um, you know, well, guess what? They lost six first round picks. I mean, at some point, Alabama's got to reload. You think? Um, so we'll we'll see what happens this next year. I mean, I right now I'd take Alabama over the field. Uh, for the national championship with what they've got coming back and, and what I saw from Bryce Young. Um, I mean, he was unbelievable. Now, what do you think the plan will be for defensive coordinator with uh, Dan Lanning, of course, going off, taking the Oregon job? Where where does Kirby Smart turn? I know he's got some, some great in-house candidates. Do you think that's where he'll go with his next defensive coordinator hire? Well, so far it's Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann. Uh, I don't, I don't have any reason to believe that it'll change. Um, you know, Muschamp's obviously a, a proven commodity uh, as a coordinator, certainly, and and you know had some success as a head coach. But all that experience is it's awesome for Kirby. I, I think Will Muschamp was a big part of last season's national championship. I mean, you had another veteran voice to the room, and with all the work that Georgia needed in its secondary, it was in a major reload in the secondary and. And Will Muschamp was there along with Kirby to get those guys more individual attention. Jamal died, the secondary coach. I mean, they had to catch up fast. I mean, they lost like eight guys from their secondary from the year before. And and obviously you saw in the end, the secondary came through with Keely Ringo. But I, I think it's I think it's going to stay the way it is, you know, with, with Schumann and, and Muschamp being named the co-defensive coordinators. I think that, you know, Schumann's kind of a rising star, much like Dan Lanning was a few years ago when, he took over the defense after Mel Tucker left in 2019. And, you know, in, in three seasons, Dan, you know, parlayed that into the head coaching job at Oregon. And, you know, you look at how Mel Tucker's doing now at Michigan State. And you look at another former Kirby assistant, Sam Pittman, 
uh, over there at Arkansas and Shane Beamer, you know, the success he had. These are all guys that have come through Georgia. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's not too shabby. We're talking about four former Kirby smart assistants. Now, granted, that wasn't their only stop, but, you know, for Georgia to have that association, um, you know, I, I think that's a positive thing. I think it makes Georgia an attractive place to work. And, and uh, you know, Will Muschamp, I don't know if he wants another go around as a head coach or not. I think he likes the time he's having with his family. Um, although, you know, he's got a commitment as, a, as an assistant uh, defensive coordinator there, co-defensive coordinator. So I feel like that, that position is pretty solidified. I'm more curious, um, you know, what happens on offense with Cortez Hankton going to LSU and, you know, how might they fit that gap? You know, who might they promote? Um, could they hire a, a true quarterbacks coach that actually, you know, on field, you know, I know Buster Faulkner is a guy that's been out on the road recruiting and, you know, he was kind of an offensive analyst role they hired from uh, his previous position as a Southern Miss offense coordinator. Might he be promoted uh, to an on-field, assi- uh, full all-time assi- on-field assistant? Maybe let Munkin oversee the receivers. Um, you know, it's, Munkin's kind of a receiver guru. Um, or will they bring in somebody new? Um, so, you know, Kirby likes to slow play these things. Um, he's pretty thorough when it comes to his hires. And right now, I think the priority is on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's Perfect for my last question for you, Mike. I really appreciate all your time. I keep hearing Arch Manning really loves Georgia. And I know, you know, no one can predict where these recruiting battles are going to go. But uh, can you share anything at all with the recruitment with Arch Manning and and how Georgia's looking as a a potential landing spot for uh, the quarterback that uh, everybody's going to have their eye on all summer? Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, to me fascinating, you know, probably one of the most high profile recruits and man, quite some time. I can't even think, you know, the Manning name travels. And mm-hmm. A lot of people have been waiting on Arch for a long time at a lot of schools. A lot of time and money has been invested into his recruitment by many, many places. Uh, I did see um, earlier this week, Kirby and Matt Luke and Todd Munkin, at least those three were at his basketball game. And that's a lot of manpower hours at a critical time of the year. So uh, that says a lot. Uh, you know, I don't think Kirby hadn't made any secret of it that he really wants to land Arch Manning. Kirby really has a passion for recruiting. Um, it, it makes you wonder a little bit about the quarterback picture now, right? I mean, if you're a redshirt freshman or an incoming freshman or, or a true freshman at Georgia um, and you haven't had a chance to start yet, you know, if you're back, Vandegrift, back, Stockton, and, and Arch Manning comes in, what, is, what does that mean for you? Right? Uh, how bit does the transfer portal get busy again, and what promises have to be made to land Archman or do any? I see. I have a hard time believing that, that the Mannings, just with my experience with you know knowing how calculated Peyton is and thorough he is, um, there's going to be a plan for him wherever he goes, whether it's to redshirt a year and play or play. Uh, but the Mannings will be very, very, very involved in this, and I think Todd Munkin does have a background with Peyton, so uh, that makes sense. Um, I just wonder about, you know, and I, I call it collateral damage because, you know, that's just where we're at with one-time transfers and high-profile recruits and NIL deals. Uh, if, if a school is going to, you know, or if a, if a player is going to have an arranged NIL deal and be receiving a certain amount of money, there's going to be an expectation for him to play. And it gets complicated. Or if you promise a recruit an opportunity, that affects the guy that's already there. And um, you know, it's not just at Georgia. You know, this is, this is happening everywhere. This is not unique to Georgia or Alabama. It's just those two schools are the tip of the spear, and so they're they're in the focal point. They're they're where the bright lights get shined, right? 
Um, you know, you're having me on because I cover the national championship team and how do things look here? Well, you know, you could call 13 other guys that cover SEC teams and the names and the faces may change, but the story remains the same. This is what's happening. This is what the current rule structure, uh, excuse me, the, yeah, the current rule structure, um, which is kind of an oxymoron, this is what it's producing. It's, it's like Bill O'Brien said, um, you know, in one of his press conferences leading up to the championship game, it's kind of like free agency only without any rules. So, um, you know, that's why Nick Saban wants to see some legislation. It's why Greg Sankey and presidents and athletic directors are going to be talking about this. Um, because right now, Michael, it is, it is the wild, wild west out there, and it's hard to predict or project anything. Yeah, that's a really great point. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. He's Mike Griffith. AJC Dog Nation, gotta check it out. Football Writers Association Beat Writer of the Year, named in January 2018. Mike, thank you so, so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. All right, appreciate it, Michael. All right, so just want to say thanks again to Mike for hopping on the line, talking some Georgia Bulldogs football. That was some terrific, terrific stuff and a great way to head into the weekend. So just want to say thanks once again to Mike and don't forget to give him a follow at Mike Griffith. 32 and check out all his work at dognation.com but that's going to do it have a great weekend everybody see you on the next one